Welcome to episode 22 of Fish Across the Pond, a Miami Marlins UK baseball podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt, and joining me this week, usual guests, Lee and Dan. How are we, guys? I'm good. Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Good. Good to have you along, guys. Rob, unfortunately, can't make it. Uh, He's trawling around London, lost, I believe. So at the last minute, we've got a special guest in. Uh, the man behind the UK Padres account. And one quarter, I think that's correct, one quarter of Bat Flips and Nerds, Tom Pringle. Tom, how are you? I'm very good. You sound incredibly enthusiastic. Are you always this enthusiastic for a Marlins pod? I start, I start high levels of enthusiasm and then fade <laughs> towards the end. So, yeah, that's, that, that's probably fair. Uh, it's probably the reverse of our season, actually, um, yeah, where we, we've started slow and, and built. So anyway, Tom, good, good to have you along, mate. Appreciate you joining us. Um, no, before we get, I appreciate it. Good, man. Before we get stuck into the, the Padres uh, as, as a team at the moment and, and looking ahead to the, the series starting tonight, um, I was just keen to uh, touch upon the backflips and nerd side, actually, uh, ahead of ahead of that. And I've always been interested to understand how you guys came together, actually, how long that's been going, because from seeing you guys at the London series, um, it's really taken off, you know, a lot of engagement now. So interested to understand how it all came together, how long you've been at it, um, what what we uh, what we should learn and what we shouldn't do on podcasts as well, maybe useful. Um, so it, it all started in 2016. Um, I'd been following John McGee on Twitter for some time. We'd been chatting away about Red Sox stuff um, quite a lot. And he put a tweet out one day just saying, um, there's no UK baseball podcast. Um, does anyone fancy doing it? So he, he tagged me into it. Um, he tagged Nick Miller into it as well as a Guardian writer. Um, and I can't remember who the third person was, but they never actually responded at all. So I said, yeah, I'll be up for that. I said, but if you're going to do it, let's call it Batflits and Nerds in um, just to, to, to recognise Goose Gossage, where he just had his huge rant about um, uh, uh, Joe Bautista doing the Batflips and, mm. and said, you know, it's, um, it's ruining the game. All these nerds coming along and, and destroying it with statistics and all these players doing Batflips. Um, so I, I just I had this name in my head and just thought, yeah, what, if you're going to do it, then let's do this. Um, and it kind of started from there, really. Um, John put out a call for people to come along to try and help out. And he'd seen that Darius had done a load of writing before in the past. Um, so he, he, he reached out to him and said, any chance? And he's like, yeah, I'd be interested to do it. And we thought, you know, well, Darius might be a bit, a bit part and he's probably going to be so focused on his writing. He won't be that interested in working with us. Um and then he, John had also put something out on the website, the very crude website we had to begin with, just saying if anyone's interested, message us. And Ben yeah. Carter came along um, and he said, look, I'm doing a baseball blog myself, but um, I, I quite fancy like doing a bit of a bigger project. He said, would you have me? And we we're like, yeah, sure. And that's kind of where it went. Um, and we, we agreed between the, the four of us, look, we're going to try and do this podcast and we'll just do what we want. 
and just say what we want in terms of um, content. We're like, rather than try and be another baseball podcast, we'll just do mm. what, what we want, really. So we ended up like early days, started having very silly games and and discussion, long discussions about stats and, you know, what this stat means, et cetera. And, you know, we've got a few listeners, but for us, it was like, well, we're just four blakes talking about baseball. We're quite happy with that. Um, if yeah. you want to listen, that's cool. Like, come along and enjoy it with us. If you don't, that's fine. If you've got any tips for us, then please let us know. So it kind of went from there. Um, at the same time, John was working in London. He happened to have a meeting that included somebody called Charlie Hill, who was working for MLB UK and starting that up, really, where it was kind of like three blokes in the office going, how do we try and encourage baseball in the UK? And he, he kept like giving John a bit of a nudge and essentially saying to him, look, stick with this because mm-hmm. something big could be coming to the UK very soon. So John was mm-hmm. very much like, guys, this could be quite big. Why don't we just keep it going? Um, we, we initially started sort of doing one a week, maybe one every two weeks in terms of the podcast. And the writing was very, you know, very infrequent in terms of what was getting pumped onto the website. So when it came to... Um, came to the podcast we decided to try and make that a bit more regular and we did get to a stage where we we're doing like sort of once a week um then we sort of started seeing more of the team accounts getting created um we obviously saw joe mellows come along as well and then um, he reached out to us and we were chatting with him quite a bit and it's quite nice to actually see all this engagement happening we're getting regular questions from people then um like people like david tate who's one of the mets fans and um, he mm. was quite a regular contributor to us and we know the guys coming onto the podcast as well. Um, I think one of our more popular um, pods that we've done in the past was the divisional roundtables, um, which yeah. when I was when I was hosting them, it was so good for me because you know what it's like. I, I don't know if it's, it's the same for you guys, but I get very little time at home. And the time that I do get, I'll try and focus on the teams that I want to watch, you know, whether it be the Red Sox or the Padres or, you know, someone in a, a good pitching matchup. I try and watch those teams. Um, so when I was doing the divisional roundups, it was quite good to chat to other fans and actually understand what their teams were all about. And it also yeah. kind of forced me to read about those teams as well and, and see what was going on. So it was really nice in that sense to get all that sort of connection between the fans, between other teams, start understanding like, oh, these guys do that in a podcast. That's quite good. And then it just really developed from there. Um, yeah. in, in terms of the um, London series and where it went from there, we were discussing it beforehand, but it was it was just like essentially all four of us. Except myself and John did both days. Um, it was uh, all four of us on the Saturday working out the press box, and it was just myself and John with a little bit of um, Darius doing some stuff in the morning on the Sunday. They, uh, ben and Darius, which was fair to them, wanted to kind of be fans in the London series and go and sit in the stands. Um, and we said that John and I said that from the start. Look, if there's ever a point where you don't want to be in the press box and want to go sit in the stands, crack on. We, we won't mm-hmm. hold it against you. Um, so yeah, when we got to the London series, it was just like let's try anything and see what happens, which is kind of what we did. Which is where the, the Darius running around trying to get a photo with everyone came from. Um, the Boomstick Challenge as well. We reached out to a couple of companies and went, look, How we're here. We're doing it. Let's just let's just see. You know, if they 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 write back and say yeah, let's do it. We'll, we'll do some sort of challenge or some sort of promotion with you. So it was it was a big learning process, but it was really good. Um, John and I feel a bit better going into the next series and also just mm. going forward as well, because it kind of, um, it, I'll, I'll be honest with you, uh, it's a bit of an exclusive. It was all getting a bit of a drain leading up to the London series. There was so much bickering and fighting and, and just such negativity going on, on Twitter. And I, mm. I'd look at it daily and just be like, why are people still kicking off about this? Why are people still saying that no one's going to turn up? Why are people still saying there's going to be rubbish food? 
Why are people still worried about the weather? Like they were looking at 14 day forecasts and getting excited about 20% chance of rain. I was like, the weather people get this wrong 24 hours in advance. Can we wait until the weekend before we get excited? So it did all get a bit of a drain, but you know, we, we all got there in the end and it was absolutely epic. Yeah. Main highlight or main takeaway from it, mate? Um, I love the diversity of fans that were there. And I don't just mean the teams. I mean, diversity of fans from all sorts of race, sex, background. It was just incredible. The amount of yeah. people that were in the stands. Um, the, the, the age thing for me was huge as well. Like we had the, you know, the, what I call the classic Channel 5 baseball fan. You know, that sort of 50-year-old guy. Um, he's got his Mets jersey on. Um, you know, the, the typical Channel 5 man. All the way down to kids just going to watch it who never watched it before. And they were there in a Yankees or a Red Sox jersey. I was just so happy to see it. It was amazing. Um, the the fact that there was zero issues on the day that I could see and, and heard yeah. of. There were zero problems and everything seemed to run on rail. So, you know, no pressure for 2020, but that's that's what's going on. <laughs> was, it, was it real baseball on the field? And in your opinion, there's a bit of negativity about that one, that, but... Was it, I mean, to me, it looked like baseball. I was getting balls. I was in the outfield on the Saturday and there were balls coming my way and they looked real <laughs> to me. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's, it's baseball, isn't it? Anything can happen. You know, it could have been, we said in our preview part, if it was a perfect game, we would have loved it, but then people would have complained. Well, that's not real baseball. Well, yeah. you, know, you saw a perfect game, what are you complaining about? Um, yeah. I said it as well in the tweet recently on, on the Batflix account about the Cricket World Cup. You know, oh, that's not real cricket. Don't Don't watch that. That's rubbish. It's like it's a ridiculous thing to say. Baseball is unpredictable in its nature. So it was baseball because it was unpredictable. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. I thought it was absolutely awesome. To be honest, it was. It was my, my missus said to me after the first inning. She she looked at the clock, looked at me, and just said, "How many innings? Are, how many innings are there?" And I said nine. And she nearly passed out then when I, she said, "This could be nine hours." <laughs> are we, are was, we allowed to swear in this pod or not? Yeah, of course, of course. Right, we're, we're recording after nine o'clock. After after <laughs> after the second inning, Ben Carter just looked at me and he went, "Fuck me, we've only played two innings." <laughs> I, she was, echoed that. Yeah, <laughs> she echoed it. Awesome. Hey, one thing I will ask you, mate, just going back to your bat flips um, side as well. What? Because uh, uh, what I what I was hugely jealous about actually, and I'll I'll, I'll need to circle back on this with you next year. Um, I was there on the, the, the Friday in the, uh, for the workout day stuff, and you guys were all trotting around, you know, right up and close with those, with the players, with all the, the various media guys, et cetera. Who, who was the um, best interview, if that's the right way of putting it, or best, best person you engaged with, the most exciting, fun while you were there? Um, so Boog Shambi was amazing with us. Like he just, as soon as he saw us and, and John went, hi Boog, my name's John. I interviewed you a while back. He's like, Hey John. And like gave him a big handshake and then John introduced us to him. Um, that was great because Boog just like explained a load of stuff. He pointed out a load of people. And then, um, I'm sure John has already said this before. I think he has. I said like, who do you want to meet? Anyone. And there's all these stars there, all these different people. And we all went, we want to meet Ken Rosenthal. And he was like, really? That's who you want to meet. You want to meet Ken? <laughs> I was like, I can get Ken now. I was thinking something a bit more difficult. And we're like, no, no, we want Ken. Um, yeah. yeah the, the, to be fair, I, I can't even like pick one out really because everyone was so great. Like chatting to Brock Holt was good. Um, I, I can't imagine you do, but if you follow him on Instagram, the videos of his little lad just running around and doing silly stuff are so much fun to watch. He's brilliant, the little boy. Um, 
uh, who else was there? JD Martinez was great, saying "Hello, mm. mates," as he introduced himself to us, which was good fun. Yeah. Um, the uh, who else was there? There's just so many, and it was so good. The the thing for me as well was again, it was the access and just standing there and just going, I don't actually know what to do. I don't know who yeah. I can talk to or I can't talk to. But then yeah. you soon realise you can just go up to anyone and talk to them, and they were more than happy to talk back as well. It was it was really that really was nice, it. really eye opening as well. I like the guy, you, you guys just getting stuck in towards the end. You know, there was that natural nervousness or hesitation in the early part. And then by by the time the, uh, you know, it was in full swing, you boys were all in. I thought you were going to take a bat and practice yourself at one point. You were that, that close to the action. I don't want to embarrass them, to be honest. I'm that good. Well, exactly, exactly. I saw you on that VR machine uh, outside the, the day before. So. I was naming who was, it. Who was, who was bigger or... Judge was was he as big as you expected, and was Luke Voigt's neck as as wide as it as it looks? <laughs> um, judge Judge wasn't uh, sorry. Judge was as big as I expected. He's huge. He's phenomenal. Um, Luke Voigt completely shocked me. I didn't yeah. expect that. I'd seen him, but then I think he wears sleeves um, when he's batting. So he was there in like a sort of ripped off top, and um, so the sleeves ripped off. That is, uh, the arms are just phenomenal. And the yeah. one that really surprised me was Aroldis Chapman. Because he wears sleeves as well, so you don't see it. His arms are huge. And I thought, you know, as a reliever, fair enough, as a closer even, a flamethrower that he is, you're going to have pretty big arms. They were massive. They were like judge level. They were huge. I couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, and I think the I think Ben said it in our pod. Um, I'm sorry, I keep mentioning it like everyone's listened to it. Probably haven't. But Ben mentioned it in our pod about the fact that um, Aaron Judge's bombs during batting practice were just incredible. Mm. Like standing there and watching them. I mean, you guys have just saw it from the stands as well, but... They were phenomenal, like scary yeah. good. And they weren't sort of like just creeping over the wall. They were clearing the wall, getting five, 15 rows up at times. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it was It was impressive. The, the one guy who surprised me most was Aaron Hicks, actually, which mm. I recorded. He, he went on a run. It was one of them home run derby runs where he just blasted six, seven, eight in a row. A bit like Judge, I suppose. So, yeah, it was yeah. – that in practice was fun for sure. It was – what I was a little bit disappointed at on that that uh, Friday was um, that you couldn't go into the outfield while they were taking BP. Um, yeah, I, I suppose it was health and safety though, because there was a lot of bombs going. <laughs> so I think that it's a good point though. And to be fair, we've um, we've got a bit of a well. I think everyone has. Everyone's been invited to to have a bit of a debrief session. So mm-hmm. definitely get that point out there. Mention it. I think they they've put put it out in the stuff for 2020 registration. If you've got any points, then mention that. And I think that's well worth putting out there because as you said yeah you're not that close to the players but you know you're at the point where you can go and catch balls and that's what people want in batting practice yeah yeah exactly good well it's good to to look back but equally let's let's kind of look forward to the the marlins and, and padre series that kicks off this evening um i've got to be honest i don't know masses about the padres only because and, and this is the first question to you mate how, what's it like to follow a west coast team like how how feasible is it for you? Uh, it's not too bad. So I, I'm not I'm not one of these people that can stay up late. I've already said to you, you know, I mean, it's quarter past nine now. I'm starting to yawn at this point. Um, <laughs> with, with, two young, with two young kids, I'm in bed at this time, usually. So I'm not one of these ones that can stay up until three o'clock in the morning watching games. Um, I, I'm a condensed game man. I just watch it in the morning. I'll read the, read, the, the write-ups and just, just check it out that way. If there's anything really pertinent, you know, uh, if there's been a, a pitcher who's had a, an amazing game, I'll then probably go and watch the full game later on in the day at some point. But in yeah. the morning, it's iPad in front of me, breakfast, because I'm up before the rest of the family to go to work. 
Um, I'm leaving the house at like seven o'clock so I can sit and do a good hour of just condensed games, just sort of filter through, watch them all. Um, starting with the Padres, then use the Red Sox and then work my way down. Any interesting news stories after that? Yeah, good way to go about it. Makes makes sense. So the Padres are in the NL West. They're 45 and 48 as we record this evening. Mm-hmm. And this sounds worse than it is, but 16 and a half games back of, of the Dodgers. So um, in effect, it's the Dodgers and everyone else at the moment, it seems, in that division. Um, you've got, obviously, the, the Diamondbacks, Rockies, and the Giants as well. And, and the four of you are all kind of battling away, actually, and taking games off each other. Um, three and seven for the last 10, including a three-game losing streak at the moment. So have the Marlins caught you at a good time? Um, I think so, yeah. And the thing is, the Padres <laughs> seem to have sort of ebb and flows. Um, on um, on baseball reference, you can look at the game results and it gives you a little graph. And if you look at it, um, I'm going to do a symbol that you can all see, but clearly no one else can watch this. But it's like a sine wave just rotating up and down like that, where that's the Padres. It's like they're going to win three, they're going to lose three, they're going to win three, yeah. they're going to lose three. And if you look at their splits for the year, every single month's pretty much, you know, it's one or two games in it. Um, for how they've done in terms of their record. And that's that's really been their season, to be honest. It's been a, a yeah. season of surprises. Um, it's been a season of, you know, everyone expecting one thing to happen and a completely different thing has happened. You know, something going absolutely right has gone completely wrong and something that everyone expects to be terrible has been pretty good. But, um, yeah, we can go into detail if you want. Well, what, and I've, I've barely seen any Padres games this year. So what... What are the kind of strengths of the side at the moment? Is is it these big name signings, or is the pitching, or bullpen? What I know is, it, if it's it, the NL East is is uh, having serious issues on the bullpen side, so any bullpen is better than theirs at the moment. So I'm sure that will be a strength compared to, to anyone in the NL East. But what what is it for you guys at the moment that is a strength? Um, so strengths wise, is the it's got to be the lineup. Um, you've got. Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, hitting leadoff, who's just incredible. If you mm. haven't seen a Fernando Tatis Jr. highlight this year, I don't know what you've been doing with your life. Um, <laughs> he's he's stealing home on infield plot, uh, pop-ups. He's um, going from first to home on like a, a routine sort of fly ball. Um, he's avoiding getting tagged out of first base, which I think was last night or the night before. Um, when he, he was clearly caught, he's going to be caught stealing and managed to avoid it. Um, he's smashing dingers, he's stealing bases. He's just incredible mm. to watch and his defensive side of it as well. And I think that's a key difference to the Padres this year. They've actually got a third baseman. They've actually got a shortstop. They've gone through years of just having a terrible infield um, and just sort of like getting by with a, a half-decent first baseman. And then second shortstop and third has been absolutely dreadful. Um, so strength-wise is the lineup, definitely. Um, as a... Not really a strength, but a surprise is really the starting rotation. Um, Joe Lucchese, who was expected to be sort of, you know, a, a three, four starter, has actually done quite well and um, anchored that rotation, really. We then had um, Chris Paddock come up. Obviously, you know, Chris Paddock from old. Um, he's come up and, and not, I wouldn't say surprise because he was expected to be good, but I don't think people would expect to be this good. 
He's had one bad start against the Dodgers and one against the Yankees, I think. And the rest of it's been pretty solid. He's been really um, surprising people. But he's on an innings limit anyway. I think he's expected to go 150 or 160, and that's it. And he's currently yeah. at 101. So we're not expecting much more out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Lara has actually been quite a surprise as well. He's been fairly steady. Uh, I think that's it, really. There's not really been an ace in that rotation. So like I say, it's not been um, dreadful, but it's been you know better than expected. Mm-hmm. Um, bullpen. Yeah, now, bullpen. Um, let's talk about <laughs> Kirby Yates. <laughs> who is the best closer in baseball at the moment and leads the mm. uh, the major leagues in saves. And I think he only needs the major leagues in saves because everyone else in the Padres' bullpen is dog shit and <laughs> to actually get people out. So Andy Green's not going to turn to another pitcher to try and get a save because no. Kirby Yates is the only one that can get the saves. Um, so he's getting worked pretty hard this season. Um, I think he got asked to do six the other night and managed it, but then it wasn't in a good place after that. Um, so yeah, the bullpen's not looking too good at the moment. Um, there's a lot of call from Padres fans to try and get some bullpen help, but if I'm honest, I think they should probably just leave it and wait for next year because the Dodgers yeah. are pretty good. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, uh, and that's the challenge for you guys. The Dodgers have been good for what well for years really, but they're yeah. on a real good run at the moment. So, you know, is is the strategy for you guys kind of bide your time a little bit? keep building, keep adding pieces, and then, you know, as they tail off, which, you know, inevitably teams do tail off, um, at some point you guys are there to capitalise, I guess. I think so. I think realistically, though, as every Padres fan should realise, they're not going to win the division for some time. So it's going to be a wild card slot. That's all they're going to hope yeah. for. Um, the, the Rockies are having a bit of a wobble at the moment. The Diamondbacks yeah. are looking at potentially moving Robbie Ray on and then maybe Zach Greinke as well. So they could be seeing mm-hmm. a bit of a sale there. Uh, the Giants, oddly enough, have had a weird resurgence and they're kind of 8-2 and two in the last 10 and they're doing all right, but I don't know if they're going to maintain it for the rest of the year. Um, so, yeah, I think I think you're right. You, you know, you've got to wait for the, the Giants to tail off, uh, sorry, the Dodgers to tail off a little bit, but I think the key is the other three teams in that division. Um, mm. The Giants are really going to have to enter a rebuild and they kind of are already. Um, yeah. And you've got to kind of wait on the Rockies and the, the D-backs to go into their rebuild and then strike while the, 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 the Iron's hot, so to speak. So, I think expect the Padres to get busy in the off-season looking at starting pitching and, and bullpen help. But um, yeah. for now, I don't think anything's going to happen for the Padres. I'd say we saw the Giants earlier this year and I, I thought they looked in a terrible state, to be honest. Mm, I thought yeah. they, if there was anyone more needing of a reboot, that you know, it was them. And this was obviously a little bit pre the Mets soap drama that they've had. But, you know, the Giants, to me, look in in real bad nick and this probably doesn't help them actually because maybe they kind of feel like they're back in the mix and all of a sudden they maybe make some moves that they shouldn't do um try and get a bit bit giddy so that's interesting the d-backs i thought they were supposed to be terrible this year i thought that was that was the expectation from yeah. looking from afar but they seem to have done better than, than maybe was expected suppose you got Grenke in there doing well and holding it down and robbie ray's had a good season as you mentioned so yeah, I think the division probably helps them as well. The fact the Giants are so bad. Um, yeah. What have we done against them? Oh, we're 7-3 and three against them, so they're not doing that great. I think they've had some good runs against the Rockies as well. So, yeah, they've kind of that's the problem with this division. You've got kind of got not so much the Padres at the moment, but, you know, three wins could see them you know, back at 500. And then all of a sudden everyone's going, yeah, yeah, buy now, go and get some relievers. So it's, it's kind of been that division where people wow. are falling back and going back up again and, yeah. After this series, you could be buying some relievers then. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Um, 
one thing I did want to pick your brains on was the the big off season move that you guys made, which mm-hmm. I think was looking back on it was relatively surprising still, and mm-hmm. was a super super deal uh, in terms of value and length of contract for Manny Machado. Um, any impressions on that? Um, he's definitely earned his money in the last couple of months. He's been absolutely phenomenal for the Padres. Um, as I said, you, you know, you probably don't even know this name, but Christian Villanueva used to be at third base for the Padres. He was an absolute nobody and was dreadful. Um, you had Ryan Schimpf there as well, you know, where it's strikeout or home run. That was it. He had like a 152 batting average or something, but had like 30 home runs. He's just bonkers. So they've actually got somebody who can who can play the position defensively. They've also got somebody who despite many rumours of being a clubhouse cancer, has actually helped the, bring the clubhouse together a bit more. And, I mean, there was a picture of them all flying off to Miami um, two days ago where they all dressed as Manny. So they're all in their silly outfits and their white suits and flashy yellow trainers. So he's clearly not that much of a cancer. Um, he's He's been phenomenal, absolutely brilliant. I mean, shirt sales have gone through the roof in Miami, um, in, Miami in San Diego. Um, they've seen a lot more people signing up for season tickets. There's... there's the ballpark from the reports from everyone out there is absolutely rocking. And I think there's an element of Manny and also people like Fernando Tatis that have made that difference. Yeah. Um, the He's been a, I mean, I, I didn't like his, I'm quite happy to say that I didn't like his play and some of his attitude and not running out grounders, et cetera, um, in mm. the past. And I'm still not particularly happy with that. But when the player's playing well for you, you can't really complain that much. Um, and he's not done anything that I'm aware of this season that's controversial, but you know, you do see him just jogging out those grounders to the base. And you know, you're not going to see that from Fernando Tatis Jr., but then maybe Fernando blows out his hamstring one day trying to run out one of those grounders and just screws himself. So there you go, you know, it's all about preservation, isn't it? Um, so yeah, more than happy, and Padres yeah. Faithful are more than happy as well. What well, scale of one to ten, how likely is it do you think that he sees out the full entirety of that deal? Uh, I think it's unlikely. I think it's unlikely any player does now, is there? I mean, yeah. A lot of players just move on towards the end of a deal. Just They either get packaged and moved on or, you know, they want to go somewhere else. Um, I think there's, if we're honest with ourselves, the Padres probably won't compete until about 2021. Um, it'd be nice to see them in the wild card next year, but I think 2021 is a real solid year for that starting pitching to come through from the, the, the farm system. Yeah. Um, if it, if it doesn't all work out, you could see, you know, a 24-25 rebuild going on, which means, you know, that's towards the end of Manny's contract. He could get shifted. So it wouldn't surprise me. I don't think there's, there's a stage of him that wants to leave, especially, well, he's, you know, he's only seven months into the deal. Yeah. But, um, there's, there's nothing that's really struck me to go, oh, he doesn't like it here. He doesn't like playing in this ballpark. So, you know, mm. unless there's outside influences that move him on, I, I, I could see him running it out but then I could quite easily see him going after like six years yeah oh well time will tell what about for you guys this year wild cards still a possibility or very unlikely I mean technically it is yeah but I think it's unlikely <laughs> um, I don't, I don't yeah. see them I don't see them getting to the wild card um, if they I don't think AJ Prell is kind of in that um, mood that he was in oh god was it 14 or 15 when he brought in Kimbrell and Upturn and just sort of blew the farm system up a bit I think mm. he's kind of had his fingers burnt then and learned his lesson. So he's he's well aware of what's in the farm system and you can see what's coming. So there's there's, there's no way they're toppling the Dodgers this year. They cannot top no. the Dodgers. And that's kind of the way you got to look at it, haven't you? Are we going to get to the NLCS and top of the Dodgers? No, unlikely. 
well, mm-hmm. it's pointless trying to blow up the system now just to scrape into the wild card and then go against the Dodgers. I know it's kind of defeatist and the fans will want to see him in there, but I think you just ride it out, ride out the rest of the season, see what happens, see what you can get. Um, we've already said that we're going to see Paddock get shut down. Um, I don't know how many innings Lamette's going to do because he's still, you know, coming back from Tommy John. Um, yeah. And it depends if they keep hold of Kirby Yates. You know, they might end up trading him. He's got he's under team control for another year, another year after this one. So they might want to keep hold of him, or you know, he's in yeah. prime at the moment. They might want to shift yeah. him and try and get another couple of pieces. Well, that's it. I mean, it's it's a tough decision to make, probably actually, because yeah, if you have got another year lined up for him. But equally, he'll be a, a huge asset right now. And that's, uh, there's a ton of teams that need bullpen help and closers for sure. So mm-hmm. they're, they're about as valuable as it gets right now, other than maybe those, some of those elite starting pitches, if you can get them. So yeah, we'll see. So for the series, we'll, we'll just kind of uh, touch upon the series itself now. Um, going tonight, Alan's going tonight against Yamamoto. Um, not sure. We know who the starters are for the, Following two days, Paddock, you were thinking the Thursday and Lamette. Yeah, um, I think it's Paddock and Lamette going there on the next yeah. two days. Yeah, interesting mix then of pitches, I think. Um, yeah. yeah, we've got Yamamoto <laughs> going and then I think Trevor Richards and then Caleb Smith should round it off. So, uh, again, you know, interesting mix up from our side as well. Um, what what's, what's, what we expected to see from Alan? I, I, I don't think I've ever seen a pitch, I don't think so. <laughs> no, he's um, he's only just been called up recently. I'm just going to bring up his game log and make sure I'm getting what I'm right, um, what I'm saying is correct. Um, so he's pitched in relief more recently, um, just filling in for Lamette actually. Um, okay. But he's had he's had one poor start against the Giants where he gave up six runs over four innings. But that was at that stage, as with most starting pitchers, when they're giving up that much, they're just left in the game really to try and fill out those innings. But his previous two starts were at Baltimore and against uh, the Brewers. And, you know, he did okay. wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. He was walking quite a few batters, but um, he, he was okay. He wasn't, like, lights out. It wasn't crazy mm-hmm. good. But um, he, he's got, like, quite a, quite a lot of um, backing behind him in terms of his prospect ranking and things like that. So I think he could, he could come good, but I don't know if this season's the season to do it. Um, he's clearly never pitched in Miami, so we have no idea what he's going to be like there. No. No, well... Time will tell. Be interesting. Um, Paddock, we we know. Um, there's some there's some connections there, of course. Um, so that's was it, was it know, the Fernando Rodney trade that brought Paddock to the Padres? I believe so. Believe it was. Rob, hey, and Rob Newell has actually joined us now. For everyone else, he's he's found his <laughs> hotel in London. So if if ever there's a historical requirement, Rob's our man. You'll know. It was Rodney, though, wasn't it? It was Rodney, and it was an appalling trade for us, uh, <laughs> considering how how Paddock has developed on. We were desperate for a closer to 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 get into the wild card. This is in the Stanton days, yeah. Um, but it was. Uh, I think I think Rodney got seven saves in the end, yeah. And I think he blew quite a few. It wasn't good. It wasn't pretty. And we're Rodney paying for it now. Like- like any GM that offers at Rodney, they're clearly trying to fleece you immediately. And it's like, ah, oh, he's, he's quite good. But the Fernando Rodney show is quite scary as well. I'm surprised anyone like accepts any deal now with Fernando Rodney involved. Our previous ownership was a bit, was a bit stupid. Put it that way. <laughs> Are you happy with the current one then? Is this, is this all going well? It That's is a bit of a boring question. It is. It's it's good. It's uh, you know they they're actually building a farm system, mm. and we haven't had a you know I've been 
following the Marlins for 10 years, leave for even longer. And we've always had quite a poor farm system, especially in pitching. We've mm. had the odd good prospect. You know, we've had like Stanton come through, Yelich come through, Ozuna, you know, those, those real good power bats. But pitching's been dreadful. And whenever we've had anyone good, they've been traded away. Castillo is another good example who's, who's a bit lights out at the moment. And the fact that they those trades are starting to pay off a little bit now, a bit like Yamamoto came through yeah. the Alex trade. So, you know, we are starting to see the fruits of the, that, that common sense approach that you'll never, ever get into the post-series with just a, you know, a powerful batting lineup and, you know, relying on the sort of a few pitches you can pick up here and there. We had players like Vance Worley and, and you know, they're never going to get you over the lines. Um, so what they're doing, what they're building now, yeah, it's painful being a Marlins fan at the moment, but this this should pay off. And it, is Derek Jeter going to be a failure? Does he want to be a failure? He's never been a failure in his career, has he? Yeah. So, you know, they're trying to get this Yankees culture in there as well. So there's a lot of former Yankees coaches and, and staff now there. So, yeah, this is this is better. Do you, remember, do you remember that picture of the first day in his office where he had the two iPads and the hand sanitizer just in the corner? Has <laughs> he still got that, do you know? <laughs> that sounds like one of uh, one of Dan's offices, that, I think. <laughs> I want to try and find that picture now. <laughs> yeah. Who was it? Was it, was it someone coming into his office and... Uh, when it was taken, or how was that? What how was that? What was actually going on in that time? Yeah, well, I was... do remember this. That that, that was genius, oh, wasn't it? Here we go, fan. It's this is no good for podcasting. I always do this. This is no good for podcasting. But um, <laughs> uh, you have to edit this out because it's taking ages to load. <laughs> so yeah, essentially, it was the tweet was a new era begins, and it was from the Marlins account, um, and I'll, I'll show it into my camera. So. Uh, there we go. So he's got it, it's got two iPads right next to each other, and then just like a stand with hand sanitizer on it. So it's not like on his desk. It's just like this, it. this bit here. I don't know what that is. Like, why why would you have it on a stand separate away from the desk? It's following around got... like an IV or something, isn't it? <laughs> it looks <Yeah>. like. <laughs> he's got to keep his, his hands germ-free for all those rings he's got to wear. That's a very good point. It's a very good point. Very true. Let's hope there's some Marlins always... ones there one day. Yeah. Well, you can hope. 2021. <laughs> Sounds like 2021's going to be a, a brilliant yeah. year, actually. It's going to be competitive. If, if you guys are saying it's 2021, we're saying 2021. <laughs> Every, everyone else is saying 2021 it'll be one hell of a year of baseball hopefully there's some London games in 2021 as well yeah I think the Phillies nice. keep rolling a year don't they? they they just keep pushing it on an extra year yeah that's it they keep pushing it back good well Tom let's um, let's have some bold predictions from you mate ahead of this series uh, only a three game set but uh, we ask everyone uh, and the guys while we're on it if we can give our, our predictions our prediction table will, will be updated accordingly so what are you saying, mate? You being are you going bold? Are you pessimistic? I'm, I'm frantically looking at your starting pictures because I have no idea what they're like. Um, <laughs> so I'm yeah, going to say I'm going to say the Padres lose tonight. Mm. Um, I'm going to say that Chris Paddock pitches an absolute blinder and wins the second game. And I think the third game, um, I think Denilson Lamette's going to get blown out. 
um, and leave the game early and leave it to the bullpen. So I think the Marlins are actually going to take it 2-1. Oh, wow. Wow, that is... Well, I like your method there anyway. So. But you will get you will get at least five Fernando Tatis highlights. I can't wait to see this guy. Is he just on the... I'm going to go on to fantasy baseball now briefly. Is he a first-round pick next year? I know you I, took him in one, in one league anyway, first round. But. <laughs> first round, number one pick. Um, we'll I put it this so. way. I, I put a... Uh, I don't think I can find the, the tab now. I put a tweet out just on the... Um, oh, there we go. So I put it out on the um, Padres UK account. In terms of war, Fernando Tatis Jr. This is Fangrass war. Fernando Tatis Jr. is 16th at the moment in the leaderboard. If Not for qualified hitters. If you reduce it down to 250 plate appearances or 240, cause he's got 249. Everyone above him has, apart from Joey Gallo, at least 360 plate appearances. So he already has the 16th most war in baseball in terms of hitters, despite having roughly 150 plate appearances less than everyone else. He's phenomenal. He's playing so well. Um, somebody last night called him the next Mike Trout, which I'm not too sure about, but he's, mm. he's just awesome to watch. He's so much fun to watch. Like any game, you get something out of him. Guarantee it. Well, looking forward to that then. Bloody hell, what a build-up. Mm-hmm. He'll, uh, he'll probably go 0 for 4 tonight with four yeah, strikeouts. But, you know, of course. <laughs> 0 for 4. Is Lindsay's hamstring will be out the next two games. That's it. That's it. Well, there we go. There we go. Awesome, Tom. Well, listen, appreciate you finding the time to speak. I know you've got, uh, well, you're always, this is past your bedtime now, mate. Looking at it, it's, it's almost. Way past. Way well, past. It's almost 25 to 10, mate. So. Listen, um, we'll, we'll, we'll catch up during the series anyway, of course, mate. Um, see how your, your predictions go. We'll hopefully catch up later in the season. I don't know. Will we see you guys again? I know we've obviously played each other. This will be the second time around. So that should be it, yeah? Uh, yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? Yeah. I think it will. So awesome, mate. Well, appreciate it so much. We'll, uh, we'll catch up during the series, as I mentioned. And uh, we'll speak soon, mate. Yeah, thanks very much for having me on. Take it easy, guys. Have a good one. See you at the time. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Yeah, bye-bye. Hey Rob. Hello. Rob made it. Top man. <laughs> yeah, I've Top um uh, for our uh, uh, for our listeners, I've spent the whole day just being here and there all over the place in London. And um my hotel is absolutely nowhere near the train station where <laughs> where I where my train ticket was. So uh, I apologize for being late. No, no, no drama, mate. We uh, we got stuck into plenty of Padres talk, so kept uh, kept it going, guys. Um, looking forward to this. There's quite a few topics for us to get stuck into on the Marlins side. Um, on the while we're there on the Padres stuff, though, let's have a quick uh, round of predictions there, guys, because Tom's gone. He's gone two one to the Marlins, so loving that. Um, Lee, what are you, Lee? What are you saying, mate? Uh... I was going to go the other way and say 2-1 to the Padres. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on here? Just because, just because we're, you know, cause we're playing at home. We're so bad at home. That yeah. It's just ridiculous. Okay. Yeah, I, I was going to I think we'll win the first game tonight. I think the other two could go either way. But, yeah, I'll, I'll say 2-1 to the Padres. All right. OK, mate. Dan, what about you, mate? Um, yeah, it's... Both teams are on the slide, you know. Neither team are particularly in good form. I mean, we're in. We've actually been a, a bit like the same as last week, where we've had a bad week, but it doesn't really represent 
how we've actually played. We've done all right. We've kept in the games. Um, but yet the results still aren't really there. We're, we're two and eight for the last 10 now, which doesn't massively reflect how well we've played. But there it is. That's baseball. Padre is very similar. You know, they're three and seven for their last 10. So that they've dropped off a little bit. And following on from what Lee said, I mean, we're, we're so bad at home. And we were, we're by far the worst team in the, uh, in the National League in terms of home record. And then mm. when you look at you flip that to what the Padres are doing, they're actually only one of four teams that are, that are over 500 that have got a positive record away from home uh, in the right. whole National League. So it does, wow. again, point to another defeat for us. So I'm going to go with Lee and I'm going to say a 2-1 Padres series win. I love it. There's always synergy between your two predictions. <laughs> we'll get onto the predictions table update later, but, you know, spoiler alert. <laughs> Rob, what about you, mate? Well, we got a series win, didn't we, when we were... Or yeah, we, we did. Were, um, and, um, you know, we, we, that was a bit of a surprise because at that time we, we were on... I think that was after the, the, the whole... Uh, issue when we were not scoring any runs at all, and there was the the, the batting coach got uh, removed. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, the the issue here though is that you know the Padres are good. They've got some some good power in there. Renfro's got twenty seven home runs this year. You know Hosmer's, you know uh, a whole sort of bag full of RBIs. So that's going to be tricky. But I I kind of agree a little bit. Um, with Tom, that, that I think it's going to be a win tonight for Yamamoto. He keeps it rolling. Then Paddock's going to go. I oh, know eight innings for no earned runs. Of course, um, just just to just to rub it in even further. And then it really it, it, it's it, what the difference will. I'm going to say a two-one loss, but um, it does depend. If you look what happened uh, our series against the Mets, how many times we leave bases loaded. Um, surely we've got to try and get over that um, hoodoo uh, and maybe get a walk-off win. That'd be quite nice, but I can't see it at the moment. So two, two one feet. Wow. Boys. Boys, boys, boys. If we should have, we should have uh, taxed each other before we recorded this and you should have <laughs> let me know predictions ahead of it because this is not how I wanted to uh, start the Marlin section. But anyway, guys... <laughs> Never fear, I'm bringing it back. A peat bomb, a peat brush, it's coming out. <laughs> Padre sweep. <laughs> joke, joke, joke. I'm going for a Marlin sweep. For all the Tatises and the Machados, no, no, no. It's not happening. Not with our pitching lineup against these boys. Lamette just off Tommy John. Paddock will be nervous because he'll want to prove a point and stuff it up. And this other dude who's been in the bullpen or in AAA. No, no, no. There we go. Sweep for the Marlins. I haven't predicted one of them since we got swept by someone else. So, <laughs> Awesome, guys. Listen, uh, let's, let's keep it rolling here. Um, in terms of our pieces, I wanted to touch upon... Uh, let's. We need to dive into the rotation because a few bits have changed and a few bits decisions have happened there, and it's become a bit clear as to what what that's going to look like for the at least the short term. Uh, maybe until Pablo is back, and we're not hearing signs that he's imminent. So 
we'll touch touch on that. Also, want to get into and get your take on Sandy's All Star appearance. If any of you actually saw it, but there's some real nice takeaways from that. Actually, um, equally, again, this may not be an area that we've got a huge amount of knowledge and background knowledge on, but the draft itself, uh, and sorry, the the signing day, the final signing day of draft players, drafted players. Um, but we'll, we'll recap on that and where the Marlins position or what the Marlins position was at the end. Um, we've got a Mets series to cover as well, guys. So, you know, all in the space of about 30 minutes. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how we do. Rotation, guys. I guess the last time we spoke, we weren't certain. I put out there saying I thought the most likely was Hernandez to the pen with Caleb back up and um, the other guys stick around for now. And that's the way it panned out. Um, Dan, thoughts on that, mate? Was that the most likely or logical decision there? What was that, mate? Sorry, you broke up just the question. Sorry, mate. Sorry, but just saying, was that, was that the most likely decision there with, with Hernandez going to the pen, with Caleb going up? Yeah, I think, I think so. Um, it would have been... Bizarre. It seems bizarre to say, considering he came out of nowhere. But to, for, considering how much he took his chance um, with Yamamoto coming up and just blowing everyone away, not over one performance, but over multiple amount of performances. Um, Hernandez didn't really do anything wrong, but no. yeah, it, it was either really going to be him or Yamamoto, and I just don't see how it could have been anyone else other than him. It's harsh, yeah. but. Caleb has been our ace all season. He was when he was ready to come back. It was going to be one of them two, and it, it is the it is the logical one. It, it it does seem really unfair because he's done he's done nothing wrong. He's been really good, but Yamamoto yeah. has just been as as what has what's what has caught everybody's attention. Um, so he had to stay, I think. And same with Gallon. Gallon's not really put a foot wrong since he's been up. Um, yeah, in my opinion, it, it is the logical um, and the most sensible one, but not taking anything away from Hernandez because I think he's been brilliant since he came up. Yeah. Lee, do you reckon that Hernandez's experience coming out of the pen was probably the main factor there? Yeah, I mean, I, I was just, just going to say that, that, you know, he's, he's been in the pen, you know, in the pre- previous stints. So that that probably did did help when you know, when they were, were were making that that choice to send him. Mm. As Dan said, I mean it's harsh because he hasn't done done nothing wrong. But in terms of you know the the, the logic to it, I think he was he was the choice to make. You know, and and if we, we weren't going to go 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 with a six man, you know, we, we, we you know we, which was a a possibility. Mm. But, so yeah, it was, it was it was the right choice for now. Yeah, yeah. we see we see how it, how it goes now. Now with Yamamoto, I think if if he struggles, you know, like three starts or so, then then they they can switch it around a bit. Yeah, yeah. One thing it does do is make our pen stronger, I guess, straight away. I mean, yeah. he's he's a top draw pitcher. I've liked what I've seen when he's been making starts. He's been getting out. You know, he makes our pen better, and it's you know, it's it's not been the greatest pen. You know, with with Chen and Conley in there, it's never going to be the greatest pen for sure. It's you know the numbers aren't going to look great, but anyway, that's I think that was the most likely outcome. What it'll be interesting to see what happens with Yamamoto and how he goes, what the plan is with him, what's happening with Pablo, 
you know, if everyone stays fit, we'll see. I mean, there's so many options there, and there's a few guys down at AAA, Rob, as well, maybe, that, you know, are knocking on the door as well, mate, you think? Um, not so much with the, the starting pitching, because we've seen most of them come up. So tonight, for instance, Robert Duggar, who had um, come up from Jacksonville, was pitching tonight, struggled a little bit. I'm still watching the end of the uh, the Baby Cakes game at the moment. There, they're, they're currently uh, top of the ninth, two out. Uh, they're losing 8-9 against Omaha with Brinson there to save it at the moment. But oh. um, um, yeah, Dean's hit five RBIs. Um, but wow, anyway, the Dean machine. Yeah, exactly, with a home run as well. Um, but um, that was a good example that a few of the guys that have come up, the other one that, that was you know, was a potential prospect before the end of the year was Nick Nider, but he's been injured and he's only now just right. coming back. So I don't really think they they apart from Hector Noessi, who's who's sort of pitched 112 innings with a with a 3.21 ERA and has, mm. has been really decent uh, and a good strikeout rate as well. Um, you know, he could potentially come up. Um, but otherwise, uh, more likely in the in the pitching department is someone like Mike Kickham or RJ Alvarez could come up and help out our bullpen. Uh, Alvarez has got quite a few saves this year and, and with a low ERA, and, and and Kickham's done quite well as well. So, yeah. Where's Touchdown Tommy? Where is he? Right. Well, Touchdown Tommy had a good start, and then it all went. Uh, he, I don't know. He, he had about a couple of bad games and went uh, was off injured, and for quite a while. And then there's gone down into Jacksonville and he's struggling. And right. um, even the other night, um, he, he had a, a win and a blown save uh, when he let two runs go at the end um, down there. So um, you know he, he's obviously got a few issues to iron out, which. Maybe to do with his injury, I don't know, but um, yep. yeah, I, I hope touchdown Tommy is is back soon. And I see you've got the uh, the American football there uh, for <laughs> maybe that'll be the good luck uh, uh, thing for for touchdown Tommy from now on. Let's he'll, hope uh, so. Yeah, he'll get it back. Let's hope so. Well, I've seen on just on on our bullpen side um, as we pressed record, pretty much there was some news flashing around that Austin Bryce has gone on the ten day IL. Uh, and the, the corresponding move was um, Guerrero coming off the IL and, and rejoining the rotation, which I I like Guerrero a lot. I think he's got the tools, just needs the consistency. And Bryce has been a nice surprise in the bullpen, actually, as well. As Well, I know I cursed him because I was really trumping up Nick Anderson last week and saying how he'd been one of <laughs> our players of the, of the half. And then, of course... Uh, on the Saturday against the Mets, I think he got blew up for a home run and, you know, that was the end of that game. So, you know, the curse is real, as we know, but, you know, we're going to, there's going to be questions anyway about Romo and maybe a few of the other relievers. So God knows what this bullpen could look like in, in August and September. So we need touchdown back if he, if, if he can get on the, the straight and narrow grade, but all right, guys, let's move on from that. Um, for, before I get into this next part, which is Sandy and his all-star appearance. Did any of you watch it? Did any of you see any of it? Yeah, I saw some. <laughs> <laughs> did you see just Sandy's inning? Was that it? Yeah, I saw, well, I did record the game, but I saw the score beforehand. I was oh, no, I can't watch this now. So I saw, I like skipped ahead to, to you know, you had to see Sandy's inning. 
mean, good he, man. He, he, you know, he's done well, I thought, eh? I mean, he, he, Me gave too, up the, you know, he gave up the single to begin with. Then he struck out. Was it Merrifield he struck out to get that? Yeah. And then, then Abreu, you know, for, for the double play. Yeah, and he's, you know, he seemed he seemed to be to be you know enjoying it, and you know the the, the commentators liked him, so it was all yeah. you know positive you know stuff for, for you know you know to go to go forward forward with. Oh, definitely. I, it was it was absolute vintage Sandy. I thought because yeah. he he struck out Merrif. I mean, the thing is with the All Star game, there's no you're not pitching to any. There's no pitchers batting and there's no mugs at the bottom of the order it's you know it's it's a strong lineup and um you know struck out Merrifield and then a, a 6-4-3 double play that's been Sandy's game all year he is the mm-hmm. double play master he is he is the antidote to Stalin Castro let's say I mean <laughs> they're, they're they're chalk and cheese but anyway you know I mean what's when I look back 10 pitches that's all he needed so mm-hmm. did well um, he topped out at 99.4 miles an hour in one of his pitches, one of his 10. So he was, I guess that was that what that shows is when he's pitching and he's starting, and he knows he's trying to go six plus, you know, he's keeping it reserved. But he was out there for an inning only and he knew that. He, and he was bringing, <laughs> bringing the heat, why not? But equally, the, the nice thing and what I thought was really impressive after was there was people commenting on it going, wow. Uh, this Marlins pitcher, who's 22 or however old he is, Sandy, his stuff was comparable to the other guys who were there, you know, the aces. And so that was that was the thing that was great to hear. And equally for Sandy to spend time with them guys, that's the bit, isn't it? Like, it will take his confidence to the next level, I think, which can only be good for us. So, you know... People have their view on the all-star break and the all-star game. You know, is it pointless, blah, blah, blah. I tell you, I don't think it's pointless for a young pitcher um, mm-hmm. to go and spend time with those aces. So from the Marlins side, I think we've benefited. Not everyone probably does, but I think we have. So awesome. I, I mean, that's the all-star side. Um, maybe to another uncertain topic, guys, the draft. <laughs> and... <laughs> What I'll deem as the Friday deadline, it's probably called something else, but in effect, it was the last day for teams to sign the players they drafted. And going into that, the final day, we still had three, I would describe them as high-profile names, that weren't signed. Um, we, we, we you know, signed up quite a few of the guys, but the main ones were obviously the two first-round picks of, of J.J. Bladey. Um, and, and Cameron Meisner, and then there was a, a, a pitcher who was a 12th round pick as well, Chris Mokma. Those three were unsigned uh, heading into the day. Meisner was, I think, the one that had a little bit more doubt around signing. Um, he, I think, broadly felt, or the, the view was he slid in the draft, and so the money that he would, or the slot that he was projected for his pick, was a lot lower than maybe he anticipated. So I think he was negotiating with the Marlins, trying to find a bit of extra money from them to, to, to kind of seal the deal. So anyway, the, the, the broad scenario is, guys, the Marlins signed all three of them before the deadline, and they pretty much signed everyone they wanted. So if you remember, 
the view was this is the one of the best drafts the Marlins organization has ever had, if not the best. And equally, it was one of the better drafts of all the teams as well, based on who we picked. And the, the view was okay, but you need to sign these guys. And some of them may not want to sign for whatever reason, may go, go to college and take those offers. But the Marlins did what they did. And I guess the, the, the reason they've done that is they spent just under $13.7 million to sign all of these players, which was just, well, 4.9% over the, the allowance and just below the 5% threshold where it would have cost them a potential future first-round pick. So they absolutely went to the threshold. They had about $2,000 left to spare. So maybe they'll throw that into, I don't know, throw it to someone's pot. But boys... And again, we're not experts on the draft, it's fair to say. And when, when we did the draft, we weren't totally sure how it all worked. And I'm still learning. But for me, guys, and I'll get you get your take on that. This is a huge, huge win for the Marlins. We drafted college guys who were ready to play pretty much. We drafted guys who were sliding in the draft who had huge amounts of talent. And the view was they were unsignable, hence why they slid. But the Marlins selected them and signed them. I personally feel like this is a huge turning point for the franchise. Rob, what about you, mate? You do you do you agree with my optimism, or are you still just baffled with the numbers? Uh, no, I, I, I've got a little bit of clarity uh, thanks to uh, Fish Stripes. I think it was Eli. Uh, yes. And, um, <laughs> that about how it kind of worked, and that you know Marlins have a, a set budget they have to stick to and you have a lot of players that are drafted um now some of those players may be high school players and they've already got um they've already been selected for colleges and so they, they want to commit to that college so if you're you know if you get i don't know you get a commitment to somewhere like vanderbilt or or, or a prestigious university with a, a prestigious sort of baseball um uh, you know, uh, sort of school or coaching or history with it, then you might say, especially if you're a low draft pick and you're not going to get much money through the draft, mm. you might say, well, no, I'll go to college because I can build up my stock and then be a higher draft pick and therefore get more money or uh, go to a team. Because I, I do wonder sometimes if if you're being drafted, whether you actually prefer going to somewhere like a, a Baltimore or a Kansas or a Miami compared to the Yankees, because you might get more of a chance to be, become a, a major league player quicker. Yeah. So, and it looks like we've, we've signed as many players as we could. So we've obviously been very, very sensible with our budgeting and getting these players in. Um, you know, with Mokma, it was, it was really the, the case with... Um, once those other two guys had signed, Lede and um, Meisner, it was, um, uh, you know, he they had enough money for him. And so yeah. it seems to be very, very well done. I like the fact that you've got someone like Lede, who, not being funny, I'd expect you'll probably uh, see him in the Lumber Kings um, pretty much straight away. He'll go into the Gulf Coast League Marlins first, which is uh, sort of rookie ball. And then I can see him going up into to A ball and then probably next season uh, being at Wichita for AAA. 
Um, uh, and so you could have him next sept not yeah September 2021. Uh, I could see him actually playing for the Marlins. So that's quite a quick turnaround. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously uh, there's a, a million factors in play in, in between. So it does seem to be a, a good draft. Yeah, I agree, Dan. Are you going to be getting a JJ Bladay jersey? <laughs> I think I think you've got to just for the name, haven't you? So you're going to have the full the full name. <laughs> the full name, the full name. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I won't pretend to sit here and and have the knowledge that um you know about the draft of of the guys and how it all works and so on. But I do know that this guy is supposedly. I think he goes straight in as. Is it number two Marlins prospects behind Sixto? Is that right? Yeah, so, that's right, mate. Yeah. You know, if that's the case, that's something to get excited about. Um, yeah, as Rob just said there, there's a lot of factors. There's a lot of time between what can happen and what will happen before we see him um, in the majors, obviously. But, you know, this is all part of the process. It's all part of the build. And we're getting the farm is looking strong. Um, we're putting the pieces in the right place. And um, to, to go... To what we've done uh, in that sort of budget to get to that sort of exception with just being below the threshold, you know that's that's good. I, I like that. That's, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's exciting. So um, yeah, well done to the to the guys for getting that sorted. Yeah, I I think it's awesome, mate. I this front office, I personally, I mean, again, we're not hugely close to it, but just reading between the lines and seeing bits on Twitter. I think this front office have pulled an absolute blinder in this draft, and I think that will it will it will show in a couple of years to come. They'll look back and go, "Wow, the Marlins absolutely smashed the life out of this draft." I think I think that's highly probable, actually. So I'm really excited. Hey, I tell you another thing. I don't know, if, Leah, I don't know if you saw this, mate, but they had, uh, and I was being a little bit playful on the last pod, laughing at all the international free agents. We were signing. We had about 25 shortstops. But I did see, I don't know if you saw this, mate, the um, the 16-year-old the lads from Bermuda or the Bahamas, was it? Yeah, I think it's Bahamas. Bahamas, yeah, who was taking batting practice earlier this week um, in Marlins Park in those spring training jerseys. Anyway, he... I think it was... It might have been a Craig Mish video or someone. Someone put it up, and he was taking BP... 16-year-old kids, and the second pitch on the video anyway, he hit a, a liner for a home run 400-odd feet. I thought, uh-oh, uh-oh, this, this looks promising, mate. Did you see that? Yeah. I, you know, like saying, it's just, it's, you know, it's just another positive, you know, for, that, for, like, you know, for, for, for the players you know, that, that we, we signed. Uh, as Dan touched on, you know, the front office have have just done um, done great business here, you know, for for, for this draft. You know, the, the experts seem to think it it's been good. You know, they're they're, they're saying it was the, it, it was the number one draft you know, for for the whole league. So wow. yeah, you know, you know, it's been been really you know, really positive. You know, come well, come twenty twenty, you know, uh, about, yeah, about twenty twenty three, you know, the team team team's gonna be really strong. Yeah, you'd think so, mate. It's, I mean, like you said, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge between now and then, and things can happen. But I think at the top of the draft, the Marlins addressed what they needed, and it was college bats yeah, that can hit. Power. Yeah. yeah, and I think they got it. 
and both I saw both Blade and Meisner taking BP as well after they signed, and both of them mm-hmm. looked naughty. To be honest, they look naughty. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see those guys. And it's just going to be fun now. We've been talking about them more, and we're excited about it. It's going to be good to just follow. I mean, Rob follows them anyway, but all of us can maybe take more of an interest in these guys and, and watch them kind of come through the system a bit more and have mm-hmm. a feel of attachment with them. You know, that's something I've never had before. So, I, t- I tell you what, Pete. What, one thing that was that's been really good is watching the Lumber Kings because you're seeing a few of those drafts players that came through the draft and yet again we're being shown around the park and being shown off a little bit and shown signs like like Connor Scott and Tristan Pompey from last year they mm-hmm. now both of them had really slow starts but now are really really worn wing up uh, so Connor right. Scott at one point was only hitting around 200 with an ERA and now he's around 250 and he had a really good night the other night where he, he had uh, you know four RB four RBIs and um so that these players are starting to come into their own and we should now start to see them forcing their way through because like when we, we we talk about especially at the moment we've got the baby cakes we, we've seen all these pictures come through when it comes to the bats it's this the it, apart from the you know the, the he's on diaz and monte harrison which we've always known about for a long time i'm really and austin dean brinson i'm really struggling to to think who else could really come up in regards to a batting sense um, mm. there, um, there's a guy called Matt Schneider who's a first baseman who's been injured for a bit was doing quite well but beyond that um, there, there isn't yeah. anything so to see these players like Connor Scott etc will be starting to pull the way through and the Maces as well Victor Victor Mesa had a very slow start really now mm. warming up um, you know a couple of stolen bases again the other night he's he, he, ever so quick and showing that kind of promise now with the bat yeah. never, never going to be a big home run guy but he's going to play that short ball really, really well. So, well, we, yeah, we'll start to he, see those names coming through. I had him, as soon as they signed him, I had him nailed on for the lead-off spot for the next <laughs> 10 years, to be honest. So, he, needs to, he probably needs to hit a little bit better than that at the moment. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see. You're right. I mean, for, for about a year, obviously, where he liked defective from Cuba and stuff. So, it's you know, probably taken a while for him to, to get back up to speed. Yeah, like pro, you know, pro ball and stuff. So, yeah, exactly. It's it's hard to go off your couch or off the beach yeah. <laughs> straight into straight into baseball. I can I can testify to that from a cricket perspective. I, you know, I'd not played for two years and went out a game of cricket, and <laughs> I may as well have had a croquet bat in my hand. <laughs> it was not good. Um, guys, awesome. Well, I mean, that was that was a lot of activity. And it all led up to us having some baseball back after a week off with um, with the Mets series. Caleb was on the mound and um, against Vargas from the Mets. And it was a very impressive start, guys, wasn't it? I mean, I, the Marlins were favourites from the bookies' perspective. The Marlins were favourites for that game. And it's one of the only times that's happened, I think, in the last 10 years. Um, so we were favourites and we won 8-4. Um, it was good to have baseball back for sure. <clears throat> uh, there's a, a certain, there's two bits I've picked out, and I, I don't know if you guys have picked anything else out, but I just wanted to touch upon this. Um, third inning, <clears throat> Smith singled, Caleb Smith now singled to get on the first base. And with, I think there's two outs at this point, and the Grandy man, 
was in the leadoff spot. So Grandy was back up. And Vargas had six attempts to try and pick off Caleb Smith at first base six times in a row. Was he getting confused? Did he think it was Malik Smith on on first base? Or what what was Vargas doing? (laughs) I've never seen... Caleb was never running in a million years. (laughs) He threw six of the... I mean, normally, the crowd, if you throw twice, everyone's booing. There's no need for it. He threw six of them. And then Grandy put him into the... (laughs) to the upper deck or something for a two-run homer. And then, you know, to, to kind of rub salt into the wound, I think then um, the Cooper Loop came up and, and went back to back and hit hit another one. So, oh, that was pure Mets baseball, that guy. What <laughs> what was he doing? <laughs> and, I mean, you know, Anderson went and hit a two-run shot later and, you know, it was a relatively comfortable win in the end, guys. But, I mean... Proper comedy from the Mets. Proper comedy from Vargas. They're a, they're a crazy ball club, them boys. But um, one other thing, guys, I just want to mention. It's a klaxon moment. Woo, woo, woo. There's been a stat cast record broken in that game. By a Marlins player. Uh, uh, you guys may not have caught this, so I'll throw it out there. Has anyone seen what it was or, or who did what to break a stat cast record? <laughs> well here you go it happened on a on a double play um, Vargas was at bat double play it was a 2-6-4 double play with Rosario on first and the, the, the stat cast uh, broken record was Alfaro's throw speed to Miguel Rowe at second base at 93.4 miles an hour with the throw to gun him down that's the hardest thrown uh, assist to second by a catcher in the Statcast era, which is since 2015. How about that boys? You, oh, who, who, you've always doubted my stat ability, boys. I know that, but I am back <laughs> with a huge stat bomb for today. <laughs> I'm surprised none of you picked that one up. I mean, that was that was teed, I was Dan written all over it, that one. <laughs> Um, guys, I'm going to lean on you boys now because I didn't see any of Sunday and I only saw a bit of Saturday. Um, so I'll lean on you boys. Uh, Saturday we touched upon earlier anyway, but who who saw the most of Saturday game? Anyone see much of that? Yeah, um, I actually saw all of it live till up till three in the morning. I was actually, well, I say I watched it live. I was, I was at a bit of a family do and I said just as it was coming on, where it was the night was sort of petering away. I said, can we stick the Marlins on? Because he had a crank cast. So I had it on my phone and I beamed it up to the set. So it was on, but yeah. I was sort of just keeping an eye on it. But um, it was a good game. You know, Galen, I thought, again, um, I thought he'd done, he'd done well. You know, uh, five strikeouts in five innings, um, four hits, two earned runs. Got a little bit of trouble walking a few players, but... He didn't. He didn't do much wrong. He he, he done okay. We we went down early to two uh, runs. I think in the second or third third. I think it was. But then came straight back with two ourselves. And then it was mm-hmm. it was the same sort of old story. We 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 let again bases loaded. We let it go. And then I did curse you, Pete, because it was a 
it was Anderson in the uh, in the pen <laughs> yeah. um, that gave it away just after you'd bigged him up as player of the half or whatever it was you gave him last week. And I thought I've stayed up till the early hours, and the curse is real has haunted us again. So um, yeah, but it, again, it was one of them performances that we've seen so many times already this season where we're in the game and just little things like uh, don't go away and then leaving leaving bases loaded again. Mm. Um, so it was frustrating, but it's been the sort of story of the last fortnight, really. We've, we've just been within the game, well within it, but just not getting over the line. So, yeah, yeah. a bit frustrating. Um, and then I didn't see, to be honest, I didn't see any of Sunday. I was at a bit of a, again, um, a, a family thing. I'm, I'm, uh, my brother's getting married soon, so we had around his to get all our suits all done. Uh, came home, watched the climax of the Cricket World Cup, which was brilliant. And then mm. thought, right, I'll stick on the Marlins and um, see that we was about top of the six when we was already about six one down. And I thought, I'm not going to bother. So that's it. That's <laughs> it. Well, let's let's park Sunday a sec, mate. I've got um, one question to ask you on the Saturday game. Yeah, it's Mets related actually. But how how did Syndergaard go, mate? Did he pitch well? Uh, yeah, he he did. Um, let's just bring him up here. Uh, yeah, he set seven innings, so he he did look he did look good. I think um, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's difficult to get anything going with someone like him. Nine nine strikeouts and two earned runs. Um, yeah, it, 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 he he looked good. It was always going to be quite a tough tough yeah. uh, session with him on the mound. Um, and then the bullpen done the job. To be honest, they saw it off. So. Yeah, tough, tough one, but yeah, just just frustrating again because we've seen it all before. We've um, we've, yeah. we've bases loaded and losing it, not not taking advantage of it. Yeah, I I feel like Syndergaard is one, if not the hottest trade commodity knocking around at the moment. I think it's very very realistic that that could happen in some sort of way. So I was just interested to yeah see see what your thoughts were. I mean, quality pitcher. We saw him. I think he was going against Sandy in that complete game, actually. I think that might have been a matchup when, when Sandy blew him away in 40 minutes. I keep reducing that time by five minutes every time I <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> um, I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was, was well, and that's probably why it was such a quick game, because actually at the other side, you've got Syndergaard, who actually works quickly as well, doesn't he? So yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, sorry, guys. I also missed the Sunday game. So, Dan was watching the cricket. I was at Silverstone for the Formula One, sipping on champagne. So, I didn't get a chance to see it either. What's a quick summary on the Sunday game, guys? I mean, it didn't sound like a great affair for us. Did you watch it, Lee? I did. <laughs> I, I did. I did watch it, and it was... Um, Frustrating again. We had a couple of situations where we had uh, a, a bases loaded situation and a couple of players on base. So fundamentally, the the number of, number of bats left on base, which is always a bit of a, a weird stat because you can count the same person twice. Like for instance, if you have bases loaded and you've got one out, uh, that's and someone gets out, then that's three left on base. And then the next person gets out, that's the, still the same three left on base. Yeah. But yeah. It, was, it was 26. <laughs> and Brian Anderson, although he hit a home run at the end, was, was, was kind of guilty a couple of times of leaving a few players on base, which was a bit frustrating. Yeah. Um, and But on the flip side of that game, because when I was watching that game, it was like, oh, we wasted our opportunities again and again. But so did the Mets in many ways. They they had quite a lot of hits off Sandy. 
I thought that Sandy was back to negative Sandy, where he was a little bit hesitant. Okay. Um, and you can see that sometimes where you think, okay, right, he's going to wind it up. It's going to be, you know, he's going to start showing his, his better pitches, which, which tend to kind of really be his fastball. He's, he's, the change-up works from time to time. He's got his curveball. Um, but uh, I don't know. He seems to be a bit hesitant at times. And Mattingly's picked this up. And I think we've talked about this before. So, mm. um, yeah, the, it's always going to be difficult against DeGrom. But even so, we've got six hits against DeGrom. So it wasn't exactly like DeGrom was on massive form. And then after yeah. that, we just let it drip away. Hernandez let a run go. Uh, there was a home run. Chen let a, a run go. But it, to be honest with you, they, it was just, it, it just normal relief pick sort of performances. There wasn't anything outstanding. But it is one of those games that on another day, we could have won that. And the thing I'm finding a bit disappointing about that series, which has annoyed me a bit, was that the Mets were in a right muddle. And this should have been Callaway sacking. This really should. We should have swept it. Or at least got a series win. And I think mm. we let it slip from our grasp. Well, maybe that was tactical. You know, pad the record a bit, keep them going. Well, I think it's a good time to reflect and update our predictions league table, guys. We we had to we had to actually do predictions over over text this week because we didn't have time last week because there was too much too much excitement. Um, so the scores are in, boys, uh, and just for all the listeners, I went for a two-one Mets win. Uh, so I was I was Bob on there, Dan the man, and Lee. Surprise, surprise! Same prediction. <laughs> <laughs> Two two one Marlins and Rob Newell sipping multiple Coronas must have been he went for the sweep three nil. So what that means, guys, if we if we if we add that to our tallies, uh, currently in fourth place, Dan, four points, <laughs> Lee. In joint second with six, Rob joining him with six because that minus one for the for the full sweep, and uh, and Pete leading away nine nine points. Gaps opened up. <laughs> three point swing there for me and Rob, I think, because I had two for the nailed on got uh, nailed on prediction, and then you had the minus one. So that was it. So we roll into this week, guys. We've already covered the Padres. I think um, I think I've been a bit brave with the three 0 I don't know why I've done that, but anyway, I just got <laughs> carried away. I do think the Padres are there for the taking, but I'm interested now. Now Tom has set the scene. I'm intrigued to see what Tatis is all about for sure. Not about you guys, but uh, and he was saying, "What have you been doing with your lives? If you haven't seen him. <laughs> I haven't seen masses of him." So. Um, obviously, been watching too much Marlins. Uh, have you guys seen much of the Padres either? No. I'm really <laughs> saying highlights you know, for, for him, but that's that's it really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh well, well let's let's uh, let's see what they bring to town this um, this series. I think we'll want to bounce back after a, you know you're right, it's disappointing uh, series defeat to the Mets, and particularly we could do with winning having a good result because the Dodgers are coming to town after that. So 
that's going to be a real tough series. So on the Dodgers, because we haven't got time to cover it in depth, guys, let's have a quick Dodgers prediction as well um, from each of you. I'm happy to go first and set the scene. I'm going to go. And actually, the Dodgers, I think, struggle at Marlins Park. I've got no stats in front of me to back that up. So I I just have a have a feeling that they've not got a great record. So while I talk, you, someone can find that out. But I'm going to go for a... Uh, a 1-2. Dodgers 2-1. Rob, I think you're up, mate. Uh, I'm going to go for it. Um, even though I think we're going to lose to the Padres 2-1, I think we're going to beat the Dodgers 2-1. The reason being that um, last year we surprised them. Yeah. Um, and got a series yeah, didn't we? I knew, I knew we had a decent, we'd had a decent run against yeah. them. <laughs> so, um, and that was a shock because we were on... Uh, at that point, our away form was absolutely abysmal, and to mm. come away with that, I think that was the first series win we'd had away in in a long time. So, um, and I think we can do it again. The only reason is it's it's you know it's a bit like where I think Chris Paddock will probably pitch eight scoreless innings against us. It's that that whole factor of someone coming back to their old club, and and Mattingly is that factor. So, just on a on a Ooh. on a thing of superstition. Um, because obviously, um, you know, Bellinger and he's just, uh, I, I, he's just exceptional, isn't he? And and he he hasn't got that ballpark factor that that Yelich has got, and he's hitting mm. ridiculous numbers of home runs. Um, so the reality is that they are in a different league to us, quite literally. Um, yeah. they are immense, and it is their year to win the World Series. Fully is. Um, but we're that type of banana skin that could be there. So for for no stats, for no proper reason for once, I just think um, um, Mattingly's going to jinx them. I love it. I like it, mate. This is it. This is the the least statistical <laughs> podcast you've ever. <laughs> we're we're throwing out absolute like prayers in the wind here on on stats and thoughts. But anyway. Dan, you'll have a stat to back it up, mate. Give us, give us your series prediction for the Dodgers, mate. Give us that well, sweep. Yeah, well, um, I like your stat there, Pete, about they they've not got a great record at Marlins Park, but unfortunately, it's oh. irrelevant, mate, because uh, they're they're at home. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, I'll give you, I'll give you a, <laughs> I'll give you another stat, and that's that the Dodgers are the best team in baseball at home, um, which means that. <laughs> <laughs> I love your enthusiasm. It doesn't mean a lot, unfortunately, in this case. And therefore, I can't see anything other than a Dodgers sweep, I'm afraid to say. Yeah, I, now I know where we're playing. I'm out. <laughs> I haven't even seen you have a drink tonight either, which is you know, <laughs> even more unforgivable. <laughs> Sparkling water, mate. Oh, there you go. Water, I've, got, I've got the same brand of water if I can fit it on the camera. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. This is it. Someone spiked our Harrogate Spring water. Oh, I know. Rob and Pete are talking nonsense here. Absolute nonsense. I'm oh, in the dear. world's worst Hilton at the moment in Watford. And it's, it's, it's <laughs> dreadful. So, uh, oh, my God. We are, we're, we're really reaching out here looking for sponsorship opportunities. Hilton... Harriet Spring <laughs> hit us up right Lee off the back of that <laughs> yeah. what have you got for me uh, I was 
I'm tempted to go to sweep, but I say we're Nick one one game, so two one Dodgers. All right. What I would like to see though, while we're just rounding up guys, is what is the Dodgers record at Marlins Park? <laughs> <laughs> Probably really good, but Probably amazing too. You're right. <clears throat> All right, guys. Well, let's let's round it up with our, our usual bits. Uh, a, a player and an emoji, if we indeed can have one. Um, has anyone got anything to lead off, or would you like me to set the standard? Oh, Rob's nodding. Go on, Rob. Yeah, frustrated <laughs> emoji. Uh, because I think we should have. We should have. You know, at least got the series win against the Mets. Very frustrating. Okay. A player of the week, mate. Do you have one? Um, yeah. I, I just need. I just need to clarify one thing. It wasn't Brian Anderson who got the home run. It was Garrett Cooper. Um, so, um, uh, for that reason, he gets player of the week because I, uh, I, I, uh, I missed him out earlier. All right, Cooper Loop. Fair enough. Who's next up? Um, yeah, uh, you, can, you can go down if you. No, go on, mate. If you've got one, sorry, I, mean, I, I, I was only gonna, gonna say, you know, you had the same, any, same as Cooper. Really, he was the, okay. he was the only one that really has come out firing from from, yeah, from like the All Star break. Mm. So yes, Cooper for me. Cooper Loop, an emoji in your locker. Uh, so I, mean, was, I wasn't really really one for this week, really, but but just the the mayor face, you know, yeah, for just a standard week, really. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, disappointing. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Right, Dan. We need some positive vibes, mate. I feel. <laughs> well, I think um, I'm going to go with um, player of the week. I'm going to go with Castro, just because he's been the only one really that's consistently been putting bat on ball recently. Um, I think he's on a, on, a, on an 11 hit streak, um, and even though he's not been setting the world alight, he's just been getting the hits. And I think that that's gone a little bit unnoticed. And so I'm going to go with Castro for the player of the week. Okay. And um, I'm going to go with the gun emoji oh <laughs> for, uh, <laughs> for wanting to use it after staying up um, till 3am, either on myself for that or for my or for our host for jinxing our player of the of the term. I know. <laughs> Anderson, so, uh, I know. It's going to be the gun, mate. Sorry. Listen, um, one, clar- one, one point of clarification. How many wines did you consume during that game? Do you reckon? Yeah, there was there was a lot of uh, of alcohol consumption. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh dear! Oh dear! Good. So we've got the gun turned turned to his own head. <laughs> oh dear! Oh dear! Marlins, what have you done to us? Well, I'm going to round it off, guys, with a the player of the week for me was Caleb Smith. I'm going to go for. Um, for his win, but equally um, just for being involved in that six pickoff attempts for Vargas, that, from Vargas, that was just ridiculousness and funny. Um, my emoji is the briefcase emoji for this week because the front office got business done. So well done to them boys. They've absolutely smashed it. The briefcase was in, the hand sanitizer was being used left, right, and center. <laughs> from our man Jeets. Um, so there we go. Um, guys, that pretty much wraps it up. Any other business before we drop off or have we covered everything? 
And no more business it is. Guys, I'll thank you for your time then. It was a good but long part. I'll thank, uh, thank my other guest again, Tom Pringle from uh, Padres UK and Batflips and Nerds. Appreciate you uh, taking the time to join us as well, Tom. Um, that's it. Episode 22 is in the books. I hope you've enjoyed it. And we will be back again next week. See you soon. <laughs>